grace and peace be yours in abundance, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. His name is Otto, and he is a rude, cold, grouchy man approaching his 60s. But he has one thing. Whoops. My microphone fell down. Sorry. He has one thing to his credit, and that is that he cares about right and wrong. He is willing to stand up for the little guy. And even though he's mourning the lo- mourning deep, deep personal loss, it's this desire. I'm not trying to spoil the end of the movie for you or anything, but it's this desire to see justice done. It's this desire to do what is right. It's this desire to help people who are suffering that helps him get over his loss. But you know what I find funny about the movie A Man Called Otto? Is if you knew Otto in real life, you wouldn't want to spend time with him. He's rude, he's judgmental, he's critical, he's mean, but in storytelling, in the movie, it's redeeming that he cares so much about doing what's right. As if that, in in our eyes, is worth forgiving everything else that's wrong with him. As long as someone cares about right and wrong, we can forgive a multitude of sins, right? It's because that that desire, that 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 priority of right and wrong, it strikes at something universal to us all, especially where we're at in our culture. Standing up for what's right in the face of what is wrong or fighting unjust suffering, that's in our DNA. That's in our history. We teach that in our history classes. That's what it means to live in our culture is to stand up against tyrants, to put an end to unjust suffering. So with all of that priority, with all that cultural background, you read Peter's words and you go, what? Let's just hear the first verse again. It is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Here Peter really is going to look dead in the face of his congregation suffering the greatest persecution of Christians in the history of Rome, and he's going to say, this is a good thing. This is positive. No need to get out of your seats. No need to stand up to the Roman government. No need to do anything about this. No, this suffering that you are enduring is a sign of positive things happening. How does that make any sense? We spend so much of our lives avoiding running away from suffering. We praise, we love the stories about people standing up against unjust suffering. And here Peter is saying it's a good thing, that we should let it happen, that we should just sit down and take it. Well, Peter sees one alternative that isn't much better. How is it to your credit? If you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. It's almost as if Peter sees suffering as inevitable. That you would fall on hard times, that you would have a bad experience, that people would mistreat you. Peter sees that 
as unavoidable. It's a fact of life that life will get hard, that you will suffer. You can't control that. It's going to happen. But what you can control, Peter is saying, is why you're suffering. It's like a beating is coming your way no matter what, but it's up to you to decide if you're going to earn it or not. Someone's going to come along and they're going to mistreat you, but it's up to you to decide if you are going to deserve their mistreatment or not. Now, to be honest with you, I have this tendency, and I suspect I'm not alone, to paint all of the suffering in my life as unjust, when it's really not. If somebody loses a job because they don't show up on time, because they come in with a bad attitude because they're not very helpful, they can't really paint that as unjust suffering. Look at what the universe is doing to me. No, they lost the job because of their own flaws. If my checking account is a little tight, and it's because I've fallen into unhealthy spending patterns, I can't really say, well, that's the universe working against me. No, it's, it's kind of my own fault. That's not commendable before God. But what is commendable before God, Peter says, is when you have those pressure points, when you experience personal loss, when you go through hard times because of the fact that you belong to Christ. Because Peter is saying to belong to Christ means to suffer. In fact, Peter would go so far as to say that if you haven't suffered because of your faith, if you've never been in a tight spot because you call yourself a Christian, if your priorities have never graded against the culture's priorities or the world's priorities, it might be time to examine if you really are a Christian. Because Peter sees this as inevitable. Not a sign that things are going wrong, but a sign that things are going right. To suffer for the name of Christ, that is a good, positive thing. Why? Because look at Jesus. It's important to note that when Jesus walked on planet Earth before his death and resurrection, he did not seek suffering out. He did not go out of his way to make people come after him. Now, what did Jesus do? He lived his life according to what he knew to be right. He lived his life according to what his Father in heaven wanted him to do, and he didn't budge one bit. And some people loved him for it, but some people hated him for it. Didn't matter to Jesus. He graded against his culture. He graded against the priorities of the world, but he refused to change a single thing. He refused to let suffering veer him off of his course. In fact, suffering was his course. Jesus allowed people to mistreat him, to kill him, and he didn't say a thing in response. Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who refuses to, do, to stand up in the face of unjust suffering because to suffer unjustly was exactly the reason Jesus came. He wasn't going to stop it. That was his mission. 
And as he hung on a cross and the drops of blood came out of him, he said, good, this is a sign that I'm doing something right. This is a sign that I'm completing God's mission for me. Because what was Jesus, what was on Jesus' mind? Doing the Father's will, but suffering and dying for you. You were on Jesus' mind. You made suffering worth it to Jesus because of what it meant for you. Because forgiving your sins, showing you grace, love, and compassion, that's what, would, that's what Jesus was about. He wasn't about getting his or silencing his haters or responding with vengeance to people who are mistreating him. No, his greater goal in mind was God's grace for you. Viktor Frankl was a survivor of the Nazi death camp Auschwitz, and he wrote a book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning. In that book, he said that it's not suffering itself that drives us to despair. It's not suffering itself that destroys us, but it's suffering without purpose that destroys us. What was the purpose for Jesus' suffering? What made it worth his while to go through everything he went through it was his purpose to be your savior. And because he went through that, because he suffered for your sins, because he suffered the guilt of what you have done, because he suffered the punishment of your sins, you know that the purpose of your suffering is never to pay for your own sins, is never to serve the sentence that you deserve, because Jesus did that already on the cross. But you are called into a much greater purpose in life, even than standing up to the big guy. And that's Peter's point with the rest of our lesson. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. This doesn't come through in the movie, A Man Called Otto, but it's definitely clearer in the book. What is the reason that Otto cares so much about right and wrong? What is the reason that he's so willing to stand up for the little guy when they're being persecuted? It's because of his dad. It's because of the way he was raised. And so even when his dad has passed away, Otto faces these situations, and he still thinks to himself, what would my dad think if I did this or that? I think that's what Peter was getting at when he said the word commendable. To find something commendable means that someone else's opinion about your actions matters to you. Peter is saying that God's opinion of our actions, particularly of our suffering, is what matters. Because we belong to God. 
So as much hard work as your parents did raising you, teaching you right and wrong, a new change has happened in your heart. When the Lord Jesus Christ embraced you with his love and grace through baptism or when you came to faith, he brought you into himself. Like a shepherd, he allowed you into his fold. That means that you belong to him. That he is your shepherd as in he, he provides for you, he protects you, he shepherds you. And so his opinion of you matters the most. And his opinion of your actions matters to you the most. So no matter what's happening, you ask yourself, what would Jesus think about this? Especially about those pressure points you have with the culture, with the world, with other people in your life. Because Jesus loves you so much and because you belong to him, expect a little bit of suffering. And it might be something super simple. Like the conversation gets kind of awkward when you don't want to make those jokes that the same people are making and you just have nothing to say and everyone notices that you're not jumping in with them because you want to speak in a way that honors Christ. Or when the bank account is a little bit tight, the budget's a little tight because you want to give an offering to church. Or because you don't have very much room in your schedule to do everything you want to be doing because you want to be able to make it to service or spend time with brothers and sisters in the faith. The culture, the world, might look at that and say, what are you doing? You are so weird. Your priorities are so different than ours. But you're looking for what is commendable to God. To live in a way that demonstrates your belonging to Christ, your shepherd. And because he's your shepherd, here's the thing. Jesus never, ever calls you into any kind of suffering that he himself did not endure. Jesus never, ever says, yeah, you go ahead and go through that, and we'll see how you do. I'll be here watching. No, Jesus suffered everything that human life brings and so much more because he also suffered hell. He suffered things you are never going to have to experience. So you can know that no matter what pressure points you feel with the culture, with the world, Jesus has been there first. But more importantly, Jesus never ever calls you into any kind of suffering that you have to suffer by yourself. He's your shepherd. He's your overseer. And as a shepherd doesn't walk away from the flock and say, all right, I hope you guys figure this out, Jesus is with you every step of the, of the way. Jesus is right there with you in the pit of darkness, in the valley of the shadow of death, because he is the one whose rod and staff are there to comfort you. You never have to make it through any kind of suffering on your own strength. Because it's Christ's strength that will bring you through. Because Jesus is your shepherd through suffering, through it all. He did so much to bring you into his fold. He's not going to give up on you now. Not when things get hard. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.